0: also grew up in LA. Mm-hmm. So literally everyone and, and their, their mother, mother <laughs> yeah. was smoking weed. And so even after I got out of treatment, I didn't leave treatment after eight months being proud to be sober. And I didn't leave especially being proud to be sober of weed.
1: Welcome to the Clear Headed Podcast, your guide to sober care. I'm your host, Kate, and I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe you're on your way to work or you're ready to wind down for the night. Whatever the case may be, I'm really happy to be here with you. All of these episodes drop in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their sobriety. Before we get started on this conversation, I want to ground each other with a little bit of breath work. Let's start by taking a big, deep breath in. And out. Okay. Okay. Let's get clear-headed. We've said it once and we'll say it again and again and again, sobriety isn't linear for everyone. For some people, it really is, and we'll get to an episode with a guest whose journey was super linear in a couple weeks. But for this episode, we are kicking off our first part one of a two-part conversation with Kelsey Rose Rutenberg. She's a friend of Sarah's and a friend of mine, and her journey is not linear. Not only is it not linear, but she's actually in a phase of no longer being sober. This first episode, we're going to talk about the backstory of why Kelsey got sober in the first place. And I think the theme that you will notice is that it wasn't necessarily her choice. We say all the time that you have to make the decision. And you do. You do. Not for anybody else, but just for yourself. And that's what we talk about in this combo. Sarah pops in a little bit, and I think you're really going to gain a lot from it. We're going to drop in on Kelsey and I talking about OCD and how I feel like I might have it. I couldn't ground myself. So you were literally relying on
0: your OCD thoughts to like Tell me who I was, yeah. Oh, my God. Is that not crazy or what? It is. And that's why you need therapy. I need therapy. No, because you say the things out loud and then you're like, I can't believe I just said that. I sound insane. I know. Because you are. Because you are. done. (laughs) It's actually the craziest thing. And for me, like, I didn't know I had OCD therapy. OCD. I never was like, I have OCD. When I was in rehab the last time my therapist kept me after group therapy and was like, I have OCD. And I was like, I'm not clean. I don't care about blah, blah, blah. There's no way. And she was like, yeah, but have you ever heard of like, it's called, I have magical thinking OCD. And I was like, what's that? And she was like, I don't remember what she said, but I remember for the first time being like some, because I had genuine belief that I was the only person on the planet who had ever had the thoughts that I had ever. Cause they were so like, no one shamed me, but I shame myself of like, right. it's insane that I'm 22 years old and I still sleep in my parents' bed every night because I'm so scared. I was like, I'm the only person that thinks these things. And then she was like, no, like it's one plus one equals two, you have OCD. And then <sighs> realizing that was like actually changed my life. It was amazing.
1: Cause it's like freeing to not feel so alone. Mm-hmm. And also that, like, nothing's technically wrong with you. Like, you can have a label where, like, yeah, maybe somebody would say that, like, having OCD does mean something is wrong with you. Like, you're not normal. But, like, actually, no. There's enough people have it that there's a freaking label. Literally. And
0: what I learned from that is, like, I never realized how insane and, like, enlightening it would be for me to be, like, Other people think the same thing as you. Yeah. It was, I will never forget where I was sitting, who I was talking to. It was actually so crazy and amazing. And then I had one session with an OCD therapist who's so sweet. And I was like, yeah, my therapist said I might have this because of this. Because I think these thoughts about my parents and about myself and about like when I take a shower. And then she was like, yeah. Everyone I talk to thinks that. And I was like, what? It was crazy. It was actually life changing. So what did you do? Like, yeah. what did she tell you to do? Well, I went to OCD therapy for probably like a year, once a week, virtual. Mm-hmm. And... Wait, me, when
1: I, was this? If it was virtual, it, it was like was, recent.
0: Yes, <gasps> it was in the pandemic. Because I went to rehab August 10th, 2020. Wow. So this is like quick. Really quick. Yeah. I mean, not. It's like two years, but. Right. It wasn't like I still could email her any day. Like I had a couple months ago when I was just having a really hard time and things were coming up. And I just had a one off session with her. But eventually it became like, oh, I didn't need to see her every single week, especially because I go to therapy twice a week anyway. Uh But I realized my coping skill with OCD is I have to say it out loud to someone. And, like, there's a big thing with OCD that's, like, reassurance. Like, you don't want your coping skill to be reassurance. Like, I don't want to call you and be like, please tell me that I'm going to be okay. And then you're going to be okay. It's not that. Yeah. It's more of just, like, and I'm having these thoughts and all this stuff. And my therapist taught me maybe, maybe not. Like, that's the tactic. Maybe, maybe not. Of, like, I'd be like, I'm going to die today. Which I couldn't even say back then. Yeah because I touched my compulsion, I had a forehead touching thing. It's like every intrusive thought I had during the day, I'd be touch, 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 touch my forehead. And she would say, maybe, maybe you are. Maybe you're not. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes I'll have an intrusive thought like that building is going to fall on me and I'm going to break my neck and my life is going to change and I'll spiral. Mm -hmm. And then all I could do is, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Another thing is like reinforcement, but not reassurance. Like, I had the thing that I know a lot of people have where it's like, I'm in the shower and I can't hear anything. So I think that someone came in and murdered everyone and robbed me. Yes. And it's like my therapist, the first time I told her that was like, has that ever happened? And I was like, no. (laughs) And she's like, I know. And she was like, how many times have you had that thought? And I was like, every shower I've ever had. And she's like, so based on history, like, do you think it's going to happen? And I was like, well, what if this is the one time? And then she's like, then it's the one time. And I'm wrong. She told me, here's a crazy thing, that actually shifted everything to put my trust in her. Because she would tell me exposures she would do for other people. Since mine was mostly just talking it out. Mm -hmm. She told me one time she wrote on her own Facebook page that she had died to show her client that it wasn't going to happen. Like the therapist went on their own Facebook page? It would be like if I went on Facebook and was like, Kelsey has died for one hour. And then she took it down after an hour. And she was like, I'm still alive.
1: Whoa. How? Really wild. And also, like, did they. And, and was then there, she like, said, a just kidding? Or She like was like, a, a, this
0: was theory, not real. Yeah. Blah, blah, I don't know. But it, I think about it to this day. And she told me, like, a year and a half ago. And I think about it to this day. She was awesome. She would be like. And it was never like, that's not going to happen. Right. It cause... was just like, that sucks that you're thinking about that. And also, like you get it but like yeah now we know now we know (laughs) i've diagnosed you but like people (laughs) who don't get it also just don't get it as everything goes yeah yeah but it's like i never said my intrusive thoughts out loud to other people because it would be like that's not gonna happen yeah what are you
1: talking about you know so i think the reason i've never like said them or voiced it is because there's part of me that's like if i say it then it's True. That's my whole thing. So I just keep it in my head. And I was kind of the opposite. I've been the opposite. I thought everybody was like that. Wow. And it's the same with ADD.
0: I just yes. got diagnosed
1: with ADD. Welcome to the club. I thought everyone couldn't
0: finish anything. No, because that's how we talk. Because we say, oh, I'm so OCD. Oh my God, my ADD. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the, you know what I thought about? sometimes i have to remember that i am mentally ill and not tiktok mentally ill of like oh i i actually like i have mental like illness it's true right versus like a, oh my god i'm so bipolar today like yes. i feel bipolar like no you don't you literally don't you're just feeling moody there's a difference between like oh i'm so adhd like oh I didn't finish my homework. It's like, no, I'm ADHD. I cannot function. It's rude. But that's a crazy way to live. Like, everyone does this. I really did because my
1: mom was the same way. I lived in a house where, like, Bible, Kardashian, every single room in the house wasn't, the wall wasn't finished being painted. So I just literally thought that that's... My mom's a little kooky. I'm going to be a little kooky. But most people just have a really hard time. And then I'm like, no. And now I start on medication. I'm like, I'm a freaking powerhouse. I can do anything. I can finish dishes and put them away. And guess what? Dry them in between. That's nuts. What? In the same space. In the same space and not go start a movie and get out a book and decide I want a watercolor. Like, I can do one thing at a time wild that like that's not everybody like some people can really just do that i know i get it okay i feel like that's a whole episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) really truly we've had
1: such a precursor to this conversation we've diagnosed you yeah sarah's in studio today she's on a mic she's off camera she will pop in Kelsey. Yeah, whenever I just feel like I need to say something, interject. (laughs) She's our voice of reason. Reason. Our guiding voice. Kelsey and Sarah know each other from acting class. And we know each other through Sarah. And uh, honestly, this is like the second time we're hanging out in person, which is just weird. Weird. It doesn't feel like it. No, it doesn't. And you have such a journey and a story that you're on. You've been on. You're going to continue to go on. And... We're gonna dive into it today, and thank you for being here so and being open to to having this conversation because it is a a unique one. It's unique and it's also not, and and I think everybody will. Okay, let's just get yeah. into it. Should we? <laughs> yes, we're gonna take it back, and I'm gonna kick it off with the same question I ask everybody, which is if you can go back and think about the moment of clarity when you realize that not. That just alcohol wasn't serving you because now we know that that wasn't mm-hmm. your vice, but whatever substance was was no longer serving you. And
0: take me back. So I was like trying to think about this today because I don't know if I ever had a moment where I was like, and I don't know everyone's moments are different, right? But I know that there was never a time where I was like, oh, I gotta get sober right now, like, <laughs> yeah. right? But the two moments that I look back on and think like, there it was, if Mm -hmm. I had to put it on. In July of 2020, I got sick. I got this thing called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. And basically, like my stomach stopped working. Uh, Like for 15 days, I threw up everything. And I had like colonoscopy and endoscopy. at a horrible doctor, whatever. And there's a video of me waking up like with the anesthesia or whatever they put me under, a video I took to send to my best friend. And I was like, these stupid doctors like told me it's my marijuana intake. Like, there's like they probably talked to my mom. Like, blah blah blah. I thought they were conspiring against me, but in that moment I didn't know. But now I know. Like, that's when something had to change. But interestingly enough, what ended up happening is I went to rehab again, and I didn't even, under my knowledge, go to rehab for because my drug of choice was weed and. Okay. I was always embarrassed about that. It was okay. like everyone smokes weed. How could it be weed? Mm-hmm. But um when I went into rehab, it was more like emotional and like my quality of life was not anything at the moment, mm-hmm. at that moment. But to go into rehab, you obviously have to get sober. So I got rid of everything and I was like, I'll see you soon. I'll see you in a month. And I ended up being there for eight months. But when I had the first meeting there with the psychiatrist, and he was like, you're bipolar. That was the first time in my life where I was like, I'm so not grateful, but like the only way this could have happened is if I was sober. So like if I had to pick a moment, it would be that moment of like, again, I, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember so much of it of like everything made sense because I have bipolar too. And I was like, maybe nothing in my life has been working because I've been high. and. Things make sense to me now because I know I'm bipolar, and I didn't know I was bipolar because I was too high to understand that I'm bipolar. Right. So it was in that moment that I was, for the first time, that I was like, "Oh, weed has way more negative than it does than I
1: thought." I mean, it's interesting because you said that you felt embarrassed about it, and I understand mm-hmm. what you mean by that. Weed is such a. I mean, we talk on here all the time about how alcohol is socially acceptable. Yeah. Weed is socially acceptable in a very different way mm-hmm. where it's said that you can't get addicted to it and it's the safer drug of choice and it's harmless and you smoke in the grass. and medicine. it's Medicine. It's medicine. And I think there are avenues where that is true. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to discredit all of that reasoning, but it's the reasoning that takes... The is like the front runner. Yeah. When people talk about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how did you digest and accept that that was like your problem? How did you transition from like embarrassment to acceptance?
0: Honestly, recently, if really? I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Oh, because, yes, be completely honest. Yes. Um, <laughs> cause my like relationship with using started when i was young as everyone's right but when i was in high school i did a lot of xanax okay and just because i was depressed and miserable and whatever and i went to treatment for the first time and then i came back and i was like i'm not gonna do pills and i'm not gonna smoke or i'm not gonna drink i'm just gonna smoke so everyone celebrate me anyway because i'm mostly sober so i literally would say like it's the 29th like i'm sober mostly like i don't have alcohol anymore and right. off pills, So my whole six to eight years before I went to treatment again, I was like, well, I'm sober, even though I smoke weed. It, I convinced myself and everyone around me that it didn't count. It was like, it's weed. Like, everyone's drinking, but I didn't drink kind of thing. Yeah. So when I went to treatment at the beginning of the pandemic, after I got sick, and everyone was like, I I have alcohol, and I have this, and I have this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just have weed. Like, there's no way that this is my drug of choice because everyone and their mother, I also grew up in LA. Mm -hmm. So literally everyone and And their their mother mother (laughs) was smoking weed. And so even after I got out of treatment, I didn't leave treatment after eight months being proud to be sober. And I didn't leave especially being proud to be sober of weed. Mm. And I remember, like, being at a birthday party in April of this year and someone making a comment, a stranger, about, like, the gross romanticism of weed. Mm. And I was so angry. And then I don't know why that did it, but I, that is the first time I could remember being, like, my drug of choice is weed instead of, like, because if I, I used to be, like, well, my drug of choice is weed, but, like. I also used to do this, and I do this too, and like right. blah blah. It's like it's just weed. Yeah. Weed is an altering substance.
1: Yeah, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah, that's a good perspective to have and gain, and also be honest about that. It it's like a road. Like you kind of got to walk through the steps of that road mm-hmm. to really see it for what it is for you and right. in your case. And it's very different for everyone. I can imagine. Like I eat weed, eat it, eat being high. There's only like Sarah's laughing. I also hate weed. We like yeah. hate it. So. I mean, I used to smoke a ton of weed, but
0: I stopped. And then when I started again, it just made me so paranoid. And like, yeah. I just like, couldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's a luxury uh, of not liking that high. It you is know, luxury. just like when I think about people who are like, well, I don't really like alcohol. You know, that's not my problem. Well, that you're lucky. Exactly. <laughs> you're lucky. Yep. Because it's not about the substance, really. It's more about like what your what it does for you. Mm-hmm. Meaning, substances impact people differently. Yeah, and for me, alcohol really negatively impacted me, and for you, weed really negatively impacted you. Mm-hmm. So, because it negatively impacted you, and you had to make the choice to separate from it, mm-hmm. what did you like lean into? in place of it. Like did you do
0: meditation? Did you read a book? What did you do? Well, I'm very grateful that I my beginning of being sober process was in treatment. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I was with a million people that were doing the exact same thing. And my therapist there said this funny thing that I'll never forget. She was like if you get sober during the pandemic, it's like you're sober in dog years. Huh. Um, which I so thought funny
1: because you—that's the first thing you said to me when I uh, told you I was sober.
0: Really? You were like, "Oh, you got sober during the pandemic, so you're like what? Like three years sober?" Yeah. <laughs> so that's, funny. I'm hilarious, honestly. In retrospect, <laughs> um, you I'm glad I said that to you, but um, <laughs> yeah. So she said that, which made me feel so much better because it was like, "There's a pandemic, and you can't do anything." and we're taking away your coping skill yeah. for life right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad I had a lot of people to do that with, yeah. um, especially in such a structured place. I went to meetings, but I was, I've was, i always been so much more intimidated by meetings. Every time I've gone, I've left being like, I'm just, I love it here. And then it's always harder for me to go back for some reason. Huh. But being in group therapy all day long, I thrive in group therapy because I talk more than anyone I've ever met, but having those experiences, which have also obviously happened in the rooms too, but kind of what I was telling you about earlier with OCD, having the experience of, oh my God, you have thought the exact same thing that I've thought? Yeah. How is that possible? That was my biggest thing. But in terms of like coping skills, being sober, I'm a big crafter. So I did a lot of crafts. I watched a lot of TV. It was it's all about distraction for me. Yeah. Um and another good piece of advice that I got, because one day at a time, obviously amazing, but ten minutes at a time. Uh yeah. Ten minute increments. It's all I could do. It's all I can do now. And it's applied to different parts of my life too. Yeah. Distraction.
1: Oh, that's so good. Like 10 minutes at a time. Cause really truly too, like in the beginning mm. when these cravings come up and you're in it, like Thinking about the finishing the rest of that day sober can be what Ooh. pushes you to go into that trigger, like yeah. to go right to the drink or right to the weed or right to the whatever. Mm-hmm. So just saying, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 10 minutes. Just breathe through it and see how I feel. All and, right. you know, because so so often, after 10 minutes, it's gone. You've figured out something else to do. It's deflated a bit. It has deflated. You've totally. talked yourself out of it. You've rational, rationalized it. I think that's a word. Sure. Um, So that is really good advice. I hope you've gained a lot from the conversation so far. Tune in next week when we discuss where Kelsey's at now. Why she chose to not be sober anymore. And where she thinks it's heading. Do you want to enhance your sober care routine? Head to clearheaded.co for tips, tricks, tools, and more on this episode. And if you're someone who likes to watch podcasts, we are on YouTube. Clearheaded Podcast is sponsored by Free Spirits. Head to drinkfreespirits.com and use code CLEARHEADED20 for 20% off your first order. This episode was recorded at the Wave Podcasting Studios and produced by Alexis Archuleta. All the music used was created by Honeydew. Oh yeah, we have a Spotify playlist too. Uh, There's a lot to check out. Anyways, see you next week.